0: You're listening to Mix 104.9's 360. Now, I know that so many of us are keeping a very close eye on the vaccine rollout and uh, wondering exactly when our time may come for that vaccine. Now, joining us on the line is Northern Territory Health Deputy Chief Executive, Michelle McKay. Good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning, Katie. Now, Michelle, I understand that you are overseeing the rollout of the vaccine here in the Northern Territory, aren't you? That's right, yes. Now, um, how many vaccines have been administered so far in the Territory?
1: So, as as you know, there's two arms to the program. There's the arm that the Northern Territory Government is doing and the arm that the Commonwealth Government is doing. In total, we've delivered nearly 19,500 vaccinations already. The Northern Territory Government's done just over 13,000 of those.
0: And is that around on track as where you'd hope to be at this point in time?
1: So, Well, certainly for the Northern Territory Government program, uh, our plan had been initially uh, to vaccinate those Phase 1A workers, the really high-risk uh, cohort, quarantine and border workers, and our frontline healthcare workers who were either working with or likely to be with COVID-positive patients. We anticipated that it would take the first eight weeks and that group had done. Of course, there's new people coming into the group and so on, but largely that group is done. And we're now progressing with Phase 1B, which uh, for the Northern Territory Government is healthcare workers and emergency workers.
0: So all of those uh, Phase 1A uh, predominantly are done and now Phase 1B. Uh, How far through are you on that second phase? Yeah, so it's um, it's quite a, a large uh, group, but um, but we're pleased with the
1: progress today. Of course, your uh, your listeners will know that a gave us changed a device last week. The national mm. uh, specialist committee, which has caused the whole country to have to recalibrate our program. So. While we continue to vaccinate at the moment, we're having to do quite a bit of work about how we manage the, uh, that changed advice.
0: Yeah, Michelle, how has that changed advice really impacted the way in which the vaccine rollout is happening in the Territory?
1: So the advice is, of course, that people are, for people under 50, it is preferred that that group have the uh, Pfizer vaccine. Preferred is the word that, um, that the specialist committee have used. They've said that uh, people under 50 can have it, but only where the benefit outweighs the risk and people should talk to their health practitioner. What that means in practice is that uh, up until now, uh, the general practitioner and ARCHO sector have only had access to AstraZeneca vaccine. Mm -hmm. So it means people that they were vaccinating who are under 50 are now far less likely to be able to have that vaccine, of course. And for... um, for healthcare workers and frontline workers, the group we are predominantly focused on, yep. uh, the bulk of those people are under 50. So uh, so we are finding, of course, um, uh, a lot of uh, those people are having uh, Pfizer, of course. It's causing us to reconsider how people access uh, the vaccines because now age as well as their phase yeah. becomes the determining character. And that's the case, of course, right across the country.
0: And how, does that, how is that impacting us in the Territory right now? Like you said, there's now those two factors that come into play uh, rather, than just, uh, rather than just the one, I guess, to begin with. So, uh,
1: so there are certainly some impacts. So for people who are under 50 who would have accessed their uh, vaccine if they're in Phase 1B through a general practitioner, or an ARCHO, that's how um, the only way they can do that is if they choose to take the AstraZeneca vaccine. So that's reduced that group's options right now. Yeah. National Cabinet, of course, um, as you, your listeners would know, is meeting twice a week, meeting again tomorrow, and a range of discussion points there to sort of amend some of those rules and arrangements so that we can make sure everyone who needs it in Phase 1B has access. So right now, it's a little bit difficult, but uh, we're very hopeful that we'll have a way forward later this week.
0: Michelle, how is that impacting the rollout then in remote communities?
1: So for remote communities, uh, we'd already, um, in partnership with the Commonwealth, made some changes to the model. Mm -hmm. So first off, that that if a community wanted it and, and people in the community wanted to be vaccinated, we would do all of that remote community at one time. So no distinction around which phase people were in. Right. And that was largely because of the logistics, how many times you have to go in and out of the community. So that model hasn't changed. What has changed, though, is which vaccines we now take into community. Because obviously... Uh, a lot of our community members, in fact, a lot of adults in the territory are under fifty.
0: Yes. Now, are you finding that there is any resistance in any of those communities uh, to to the AstraZeneca vaccine?
1: So right across the territory we're we're seeing quite a mixed picture in terms of response. So even before the Ataki advice, uh, there were a number of people who were hesitant about vaccines there were equally a number of people really really keen to be vaccinated mm. and didn't really want to wait for their phase yeah. <laughs> quite extreme um and we're seeing that continue so for people who were hesitant before um that hesitancy hasn't gone away and in some cases has probably increased right we are seeing people who uh, uh would have had the astrazeneca vaccine who are just wanting a bit more information about those risks and understand what that means, and we're encouraging people to talk to their health professional in that case. But we're also still seeing a whole bunch of people saying... I understand, but I'm really, really keen to get vaccinated. So it's a really mixed
0: picture. Now, uh, my understanding is that the AstraZeneca is is obviously a preferable one to get out to those communities because it doesn't need to be uh, stored at those incredibly low temperatures. I know that the advice has changed then when it comes to the Pfizer vaccine, uh, but is that storage of the vaccine proving to be a difficulty in terms of the rollout into communities? Uh, it, it is an additional challenge. Yeah. Um,
1: But but we're working hard on a a few solutions that we think will assist with that, Uh, one of which is getting more of those ultra-low temperature freezers and perhaps putting one into uh, Catherine, one into Gove, so that we've got um, little hubs uh, dotted around the Territory more than just in Darwin and Alice Springs, as is currently the case. And then those areas can act as hubs for the remote communities around them. So it'll reduce the, the travel time. And so we're, just, we're working through all that detail, but we think that will assist with movement of the Pfizer vaccine around the Territory.
0: Okay. And so in those more remote communities or, or remote places around the Territory, has that vaccine rollout started already or not quite yet?
1: <coughs> A number of communities uh, have had vaccinations already. In some cases, uh, particularly for the communities uh, that have their primary care delivered by an art show service, uh, they're going in, they're talking to community members and where there are people who who are ready to be vaccinated, they're doing those people as they go. But that's more, let's call it opportunistic, rather than a whole of community approach. When communities are ready though, we are doing whole of community approaches. And for example, in Central Australia, Uh, At the moment, Yalara and Moodoojulu are being vaccinated and plans are well developed for Groot Island as examples.
0: Right. Now, I know that nationally there has been reports, uh, some doctors are reporting that patients are missing their appointments for the AstraZeneca vaccine over safety concerns. Um, It's reported that thousands of doses are sitting idle in fridges across the country. Is that the case for us here in the Territory? Well, certainly this last
1: week we have we have seen uh, a lot of people who were scheduled to have AstraZeneca vaccine who are under 50 who have, uh, of course, cancelled their appointments. And so we have seen, and that's occurred nationally, as you'd well expect.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
1: seen that, um, that sort of drop in demand while uh, both people consider what they want to do, but also we reconfigure so that people are able to access the right vaccine. The vaccines have a have a shelf life, so yep. uh, so that that is okay. Of course, our desire is to vaccinate as many people as we can as quickly as we can, but we also recognise that people have to be ready for that.
0: Michelle, how many cancellations are we talking? Is it sort of in the tens, in the hundreds? Uh, look, I couldn't give you an
1: exact number, Katie, but uh, uh, it's very fair to say that in in that because we obviously book. You know a few days or a week ahead yeah uh, and so people who are under 50 an awful lot of that group who were scheduled to have astrazeneca did cancel their bookings, which is completely understandable because the advice was that a different vaccine was preferred for that group yeah right uh, so we we did have that we've seen that nationally and i think that's completely understandable uh, what we need to do as national cabinet meets tomorrow and hopefully We'll have some clarity of direction after that. We'll be able to provide more information to people about where they can access their vaccine based on which phase they're in.
0: Michelle, are we going to be setting up max, uh, mass vaccination hubs here in the Northern Territory?
1: I think um, when we think about mass vaccination, we're we're sort of thinking of you know, major metropolitan cities with large populations, many of whom struggle to access a general practitioner. So we've probably seen the pictures of Home Bush in Sydney, you know, yep. three or four stories full of vaccinations. Uh, we won't be doing uh, anything quite like that. But what we do need to do is open up access to people as we get more supply. So we will provide more, there will be more opportunities and points where people are able to access vaccine. I'm not sure that it'll meet what we might think of as a mass vaccination centre that's doing, you know, 3,000 doses a day. But we don't have that size of population either.
0: And, Michelle, I guess uh, that maybe goes back to as well what you were talking about before with some of those other uh, hubs set up in the likes of Catherine, Gove, Tennant Creek?
1: Yes, and we're vaccinating in those communities now anyway, of course. Um, But what we're thinking of is actually using those as as sort of hub storage sites so that um, the primary care services can use those um, freezers as their store. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not dissimilar to the way we manage normal vaccine rollout across the territory. Of course, the difference here is the temperature requirements of Pfizer but the logistic process of how you get it around the Territory is not hugely dissimilar to that.
0: Michelle, um, can I ask, when do you anticipate all Territorians are going to be vaccinated by? I
1: think that's a really hard uh, question. We're we're getting better visibility about supply coming in. And I, I think people will have heard the Prime Minister talk about um, a large uh, volume of Pfizer, uh, particularly coming in in the last uh, part of this year and uh, other vaccines that the TGA is considering. So it is a bit hard to to say that exactly. Uh, what what we do know is we want to keep vaccinating people. We want to vaccinate people as quickly as we can. Uh, and, and of course, in the territory, we've got the added uh, complication that we need to make sure that those communities affected by the wet season are done before we get to wet mm. season.
0: Um, Michelle, can I just ask finally this morning, because we've got quite a few people uh, messaging through. I know that there are still a lot of Territorians who are feeling sort of a little bit concerned due to that change of advice uh, with the vaccine rollout. What would you say to any Territorian who is concerned or is feeling a bit worried about getting the vaccine? I think the number
1: one uh, thing uh, for people to remember is that Uh, regardless of the the, uh, particular advice about AstraZeneca, the overwhelming advice from ATAGI is that the best thing you can do is get vaccinated. We are so fortunate in Australia and in the Territory that we've seen very little community transmission. Very few Australians know anyone who's died. That's a different case, of course, to other parts of the world. So uh, we're so fortunate, but equally we don't see the impact of the disease. We've had about 30,000 cases of COVID in Australia uh, and nearly 1,000 people have died. So that's, you know, one in 30 uh, in round figures. So uh, I think that, that bit isn't as visible to us when we're weighing up whether we should get vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. I'll certainly be getting vaccinated when it's my turn. Uh, I'm very pleased that my elderly mother's already had her first jab yep. and the and, uh, and I'd encourage everyone
0: to think of it that way. Yeah, I'll be doing the same. Northern Territory Health Deputy Chief Executive Michelle McKay, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Thank you. You're listening to Mix 104.9's 360. Love to hear from you today if you'd like to call through 8941 1049.